As we look to Exodus chapter 20 this morning, let us give our attention to the reading and to the hearing of God's holy and inspired word. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And this is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Our preparation this morning to come around the table of the Lord, we always look to Exodus chapter 20 and our preparation for the Lord's Supper because it reminds us of our duty before the Lord. We live in a day and age in which many people take, particularly within the church, take a very low view of the law. And yet here within this passage of Scripture, we see the Lord God giving His Word, giving His law to his people that were in covenant with him. The Lord had told his people that they were his holy people, that he had made them a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, and that these words that he would give them would be in their mouth and in their heart. And so in this summary of the law of God, we find those ten words that call us to our duty. Now later, we will see in the um, Pentateuch, particularly in Exodus and Leviticus, that the Lord draws out the application of how that law is to be carried out. And so on the surface, it's easy for us to say, well, I've never taken the life of anyone. I've never committed adultery. I've never stolen. I've never um, bore false witness. And yet we find that both heart and mind... In word and in 
the attitude of our hearts, we have violated God's moral law. And so we find here in this passage the Lord speaking to Israel, speaking from a cloud of glory to signify that He is the God who's exalted over His people, that He is holy. And so when they saw the Lord speaking from that cloud, it was a reminder to them that He is holy, that He is to be feared. And so they looked to Moses, they looked to the mediator of that covenant of grace under the old ministration. The people could not approach God. And so Moses was that mediator. He was the one that stood on behalf of the people. And so he spoke to Israel out of the cloud. He wrote his law on those tablets of stone to show that the law is permanent, that it is not to be done away with, that the word was placed within that ark of the covenant to remind the people that this was their duty, that this was their obligation. They are called a covenant because the heart of Israel's obligation was to the Lord. And I think that's an important thing we need to remember, that this is a covenant, this is a testimony uh, for Israel, for the people of God, and it shows the permanence of that, but it shows that the Word of God is there in our hearts, that we have an obligation both outwardly and inwardly to fulfill His law. If you go through the... Um, larger catechism in the exposition of the law, that is perhaps one of the, the best um, ways in which we can understand the application of the law and that duty. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture, we are reminded, first of all, of our duty to God and our duty to our neighbor. And so every one of those commandments fulfills every aspect of our spiritual life. It's not just a matter of avoiding sin, but it's a matter of in our hearts giving worship and adoration to God and exalting Him as we obey His commandments. His name was made known to Israel. We saw in our call to worship that He has made known His name and His word to His people. And so we are to be reminded that God is to be feared, that God is to be worshipped, that God is to be exalted. And so we see the regulation in our lives through those commandments of not only our actions, but our duty. How do we relate to one another? How do we relate to God? And if we cannot relate to God, we cannot rightly relate to our neighbor. And oftentimes when we fail in our duty to our neighbor... It's because we do not have God within our hearts. And so as we think about these commandments this morning and we think about the duty that is required of them, there's a passage over in Psalm 119, and I think this is a good word for us to consider as we come to the table of the Lord. The psalmist says there in Psalm 119, verse 174, I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. And so here the, the psalmist cries out that 
the law, the testimony of God, his commandments is his delight. That he longs for it. He desires to do it. And because his soul is alive, he has the motivation and the power and the strength to keep the commandments of God. When you look at Psalm 48, we see the example there of the Lord Jesus in Psalm 40 and verse 8. The deliverance of God's people, the salvation that the Lord brings, is seen in the life of David, who is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says of the Lord Jesus there in verses 7 and 8 of Psalm 40, I have said, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is where? Within my heart. And so here the Lord Jesus in full humanity came to give obedience to the law. The law of God was written in his heart. He desired to do the will of God. And yet apart from Christ, we have no desire to do the will of God. Apart from Christ, we have no right motivation. And oftentimes we can do everything right and outwardly, just like the Pharisees. But yet oftentimes our hearts are far from God. And yet the Lord Jesus, as our perfect Redeemer, as the one who has imputed us with his righteousness, desires within his heart to obey the law of God. So the question for us this morning as we come to the table is, do you love The law of God. Is the law your delight? Do you find that the law is that expression of your heart's desire? That's why we have a mediator. That's why we have a redeemer. Because we cannot fully keep the law of God. We cannot fully obey it. And yet because of Christ's imputation of his righteousness to the sinner. We not only have the ability and the strength, but we have the right motivation for doing that, which is pleasing to him. And so the Lord's Supper is a time of reflection for those who are in Christ. The Lord's Supper is a time of reflection for those who are connected to the visible church to ask themselves, do I really love Christ? Do I delight to do his will? Am I striving to please him? And we'll find that we fall short of that. But here in the Lord's Supper, we feed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We eat of his body and blood, and there we're nourished, there we're strengthened. There we find that we delight to do his will, and he gives us greater strength to do it. So as we think upon those commandments, and perhaps this should be an opportunity for us every month before we come to the Lord's table to go back and look at those commandments And see, have I violated that commandment of honoring thy father and mother? Have I violated the commandment of not killing? Have I violated the commandment against adultery, against stealing, against false witness? In every way we have violated those commandments in thought, word, and deed. But the Lord Jesus Christ stands 
as our mediator, as our surety, giving us the strength and the power that we might keep his law. And so let us ask for the Lord to give us strength as we seek to please him to do those things which we by nature cannot do.